The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. What's up, gang? This is like the Labor Day weekend crowd. If you're here this weekend, you've got to be excited to be here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Any of y'all got big plans for tomorrow? Anybody? No? That's why you're here. Right? Because apparently these are the people that decided not to do anything special this weekend. I, my plan, Jessica was like, what do you want to do for, uh, for Labor Day? I was like, I want to sleep until it hurts. That's what I want to do. And then I'm gonna like walk around the block and then I'm gonna go back to bed. That's what I wanna do for Labor Day. So that's my plan for tomorrow. So, uh, so y'all having a good day today? Yeah? So we're gonna, so I'm gonna ask you, you could do me a, a, a big favor, two big favors really, but uh, this is a new one, all right? So I don't know how you feel about having your phones out during church. Uh, we put your message notes on your phone. So like we kind of encourage it a little bit. So. Uh, when I was a kid, though, that was a, like, you can't even chew gum in church when I was a kid. You remember that? Sitting on a hardwood pew. You're like, but there's gum under all these pews. Well, <laughs> and grandma was like, that's why you can't do it. So, so um, I want you to pull your phones out and go to Facebook. I know, not what you thought I was gonna say. I want you to find this live feed, though, and share it from your Facebook. Or go to YouTube and find it and share it. Because you have no idea the people that are just within arm's reach that need to hear what God is gonna say this morning. And it's really important for us to give an opportunity for somebody to get connected that isn't connected yet. So this is just a way that you guys can be part of spreading what's going on here at Pathways and spreading what God's doing every single Sunday. So just share that. Also, since we're talking about the online audience already, do you guys mind welcoming the online audience with me today and let them hear you? They can't see you, but they can hear you, all right? So uh, if you're watching online today, let us know where you're watching from. If you're one of my people from like North Carolina, give us a big fat thumbs up. And like, mom, I know you're watching. I don't know if it's this service or the one before, but she's watching. She always watches. Um, so I'm just talking to my mom. I'm sorry, I forgot that there's people in here. Uh, so... We're gonna get into the message today. I think God has something super practical, but also life-changing to teach us today. So, uh, you guys ready? Yeah? I'm gonna ask you one more time, because it was like, that group was loud. So, are you guys ready? All right, all right, that's what I'm talking about, dang. We're done, let's pray and wrap it up. No. I'm gonna pray and we'll get going. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for an opportunity to bring your word to your people. And I pray that that during this next half hour or so that I don't say anything super stupid, for one. And for two, that the words that I use today paint the picture that you gave me this week. That I'm just able to say this in a way that's as impactful as when you showed this to me. And I pray that these people just see your heart in everything that uh, I'm able to say today. And that's about you not about me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today we're talking about monuments. Now we know what monuments are, right? 
Like they're normally statues or something that's built in, to kind of invoke a memory, to pay respect and to pay honor to either somebody in the past or an event that took place in the past. In the United States, we have some beautiful monuments, uh, some really cool ones that are super interesting, some that are famous worldwide. Um, one of them that we have is, I always wanna say the Golden Arches, but it's not McDonald's, um, is the Gateway Arch. Uh, and the Gateway Arch in St. Louis, it's a monument that's supposed to represent like the gate, the opening to the west. So it's a monument to westward expansion. Another one that we have is the, the Washington Monument. It's in the name monument. The Washington Monument was a monument, I don't know why I said that, sorry. Uh, the Washington Monument was a monument built for, to, to pay honor to the most uh, prominent of our forefathers. When this was built, it was the most prominent structure in D.C., there are actually still laws about D.C. today and how tall you can build buildings in comparison to the Washington Monument. We also have the Statue of Liberty. It stands as a guiding light and a welcoming person into the U.S. But not all monuments are like giant statues and buildings and things like that. We have monuments in our everyday life, whether it's the, all the pictures that your kids draw that you put in frames and hang up all around your house. Uh, somebody earlier, they were telling me about how when their kids draw stuff, they just keep stabbing it onto the last drawing on their cork board, and then eventually it gets too thick for the pen to go, and they just rip them down and start new. You know, we have monuments in our everyday life. We have monuments like sending out uh, your wedding invitation or your, your baby announcement. We have monuments that are events like weddings, birthdays, retirement parties that are monumental moments in our life that mark something important. There's monuments every single day of our lives. Now, uh, there's some really cool monuments that I've heard that are unique, that are very intentional. There's a lot of them that we do aren't as intentional, but these are very intentional. I have a friend that used to journal all the time, and when she would fill a journal, then she would spend the next week or so going back through it and rereading the last few months of her journaling and highlighting every time God answered a prayer, every time she saw provision, every time she learned a lesson and she grew and she would mark everything that stood for her growth and her maturing through that season. And it was a monument to her growth and her, her maturity in the, the last year or few months that she had gone through. Another one is I had a friend in Oklahoma who when his son turned nine, uh, he bought this special book and for the next year, up until the son's 10th birthday, he would walk through this book. And it was all about growing up, becoming older. And uh, then at, on his 10th birthday, they would get together with a bunch of friends and family and everybody would have these speeches ready to give to the son about what it's like to grow up and how they're proud of him and the man that he's going to become. And it was this monumental birthday, monumental moment with special speeches and this book that he walked through. And it was awesome. Now this jar, me and Jessica have some monuments. This jar is one of our monuments. This is our gratitude jar. And we started this a few years ago. Uh, and what we do, if you couldn't guess, is we just write down on some slips of paper uh, something that we might be grateful for at the moment, and we throw it in here. And I, last service, I was tempted to like just pull something out at random, but I thought like that's not a good idea. Who knows what I'm gonna pull out, you know? I was like, some of these could be kind of embarrassing. And uh, so, like I'm glad my mic was turned off that time I said whatever. Uh, so like that's one of those things that I would have written in here. But monumental, like 
things that we're, or we, we keep a monument to the things that we're grateful for. So I was looking through it in the green room before this service, and one of the things that was written in there was Gertrude. Nobody knows why we're grateful for Gertrude. Yeah, Jessica was like, yeah. <laughs> Gertrude is our Roomba vacuum cleaner <laughs> that we got this last year. And that's what we named her. We named her Gertrude. And we are very grateful for Gertrude. She does all the heavy lifting at our house. Um, so that's not true. Uh, sorry, Jess, I, did, I can't believe I just said that. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so Gertrude, we're super grateful. It's a, but there's so many things that are in here that we're grateful for. And then once a year around Thanksgiving, we dump this whole thing out and we read through it and then we start over and we store up the things that we're grateful for uh, leading up to the next year. So there's three uh, important stories about monuments that I wanna look at in the Bible. I wanna see exactly how people in the Bible use monuments, exactly what God assigned them for and why. So we're gonna start in Genesis 28 with a, with a guy named Jacob. And Jacob was told where to find a wife, so he was actually traveling to go find his, a, a wife, and he's between cities, and it's getting late, and he's like, I need to set up camp. So he's, he finds a good spot, and he sees this stone, and he lays this stone on its side, and he uses this stone as a pillow. So not the best pillow, but you know. Does, my chiropractor would probably appreciate if I used a firmer pillow, but that's not the kind of firm I'm talking about. So he lays down, and he falls asleep with his head on this uh, stone, and he has this dream. And this dream is that there's a stairway or a ladder all the way to heaven, and it's got angels climbing up and down this ladder. And then God is at the top of the ladder, and gives these promises to Jacob. He promises him, he says, the land that you're on will become your land. And then he says, you're gonna have descendants that outnumber the sands on earth. And he tells him that your descendants would help everybody in the world. So how impactful of a promise is that? Your descendants, the people that you bring to this earth, are gonna be helpers to everyone on earth. And then Jacob wakes up, and that's where we're gonna pick up, Genesis 28, starting at verse 16. It says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. So Jacob placed the stone on its end and he anointed it. He marked the promise that God had made. He made this into a monument that he set up that'll serve as a reminder of God's promises. Now, I think of this a little differently than I'm portraying it right now. It's super awesome that he would have this monument. It's incredibly important to have something for him to look back to and remember what God's promised. But there's a flip side to it. Monuments will either strengthen your faith or your doubt. I can't help but imagine after everything that Jacob went through after that, what he thought of that monument. For the next seven years, Jacob would work to eventually get a wife. And then he would be tricked into marrying the wrong person. And then he would be stuck working seven more years after he was given the wife he was supposed to have from the beginning. 
And then he'd had the leap, and he was back and forth between different towns and on the run sometimes even, and having to move around and never living a stable life. So much so that one time, he actually wrestled with an angel. He was asking the angel for a blessing, and he would not let go of the angel, and the angel had to break his hip. These promises about my descendants becoming so important and so impactful that they changed the world are starting to look like a mockery. And I wonder how many times he walked past that stone, right? How many times he went on that same road between towns and he saw that stone that he had set up from that dream that he had and he thought to himself, I can't believe that I ever thought that God gave me a promise like that. I can't believe that I ever thought my name would matter or that my kids would matter. Once he finally did get a wife, the wife he wanted, he and her had a hard time having children. And he's looking at this stone thinking, oh, my descendants, huh? But we do this in our normal life too. We look at things from monuments to our doubt. Every failed pregnancy test is a monument to your doubt. Every time someone else talks about their spouse, it's a monument to you still being single. Every time we deal with a turned down job, another confusing fight, or you get that side eye, or that glare from a stranger, we have a tendency to hold on to these things as a monument to our doubt. And that promise to be a parent or a husband or a business owner or just a valuable member of the body of Christ, all those promises become painful. But we have the advantage of hindsight, which Jacob didn't have. When we look back at Jacob's story and we start putting pieces together, we start realizing how God protected Jacob and provided for Jacob all along the way. How there were people that were not always in it for Jacob's best interest, but God made a way anyways. And then even further and further and further down the line, in Jacob's lineage, he eventually had that kid of promise. And we see when we follow Jacob's lineage, it leads directly to Jesus Christ. So while he's walking around beating himself up, thinking God never made any promises to me, God's not gonna make good on these promises, none of this stuff is gonna happen, now we get to look back and see that this promise led to the Savior who came to make the biggest impact on everybody on earth. It may seem like the promises God makes are impossible to understand or believe but it's important to have faith in God's promises. To have faith in God's promises. Because on the flip side of that doubt, that monument, the stone that he set up was the reminder of that night when he laid his head on that rock and God gave him those promises. And every time he ran, against an, ran up against an obstacle that seemed like it was preventing God from doing what God said he would do, every time he ran into another person that's trying to stop him, every time he had another situation that tried to slow him down, he could look back at that monument and remember that God gave me this promise. And no matter who's against and this, who's, whoever is trying to make this 
impossible, it doesn't matter because I serve a God that does the impossible. So he's got this monument to mark this promise and to build his faith. So this monument, instead of being a signal of doubt, was a signal of faith in what God is doing through Jacob. But there's another story about a monument that stands out to me as well. We're gonna read out of Joshua chapter four, but before we do, this is a story that we talked about a couple of months ago. You guys remember uh, when we did the, what was it? I can't remember the word now. Facts, <laughs> such a simple word. The facts series a couple months ago, do you guys remember that? And I, one of the messages I preached, uh, or the message I preached in that series was God is strategic. We talked about uh, Joshua taking the Israelites across the Jordan River into the promised land. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, we talked about what it would be like if all of us crossed the Fox River on feet. Not a great sight. That would be hard. I can barely swim, so that just is not gonna, it's not gonna look good. So we talked about this story. This is what happens immediately following them crossing the river into the promised land. So we're gonna look at Joshua chapter four, starting at verse one. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Another way to see or to use a monument is to celebrate God's provision. We build monuments to celebrate God's provision. God deserves to be thanked and celebrated for all the things that he's done. Jess and I were actually talking about our gratitude jar earlier this week, and one of the things that we talked about was how sometimes, even in like just a normal week, it doesn't even have to be a, that hard of a week, it's difficult to think of something to put in the jar. It's hard to remember like what's something that I can write down right now. And then you think of something silly, like Gertrude, right? And you write it down and you put it in the jar and the next thing you know, once you've like broken the seal, you've got four or five more things just tend to like spill out. And I'm like, oh yeah, we got to spend Christmas with my family. Oh yeah, we got to see our friends from North Carolina. Oh yeah, we got to, like you, you remember all these extra things. And then next thing you know, we've got seven, eight, 10 things that we're writing and throwing in the jar and we, we're struggling to come up with the first thing. So that another thing is that it doesn't just celebrate God's provision. It also keeps us stable, it keeps us grounded. Because in hard times, sometimes the only thing that keeps us sane is remembering the things that we're grateful for. Remembering the things that God has already done in our lives. And when we've got promises that we're waiting on, and we've got a monument that's building doubt instead of faith, 
We need something to push us forward. It's hard to have faith in what God has promised when we haven't even celebrated what God has provided. It's hard to have faith in what God has promised when we haven't celebrated what God has provided. The promises are hard to see, hard to remember, hard to trust when we haven't been diligent about the ones he's already fulfilled. Our monuments keep us grounded when we lose track of all the things that God has already done in our lives and we forget how capable he is of working out things that seem impossible to us. And the next time we're challenged or we're worried or we're shaken and the next time the doubt is creeping in or the next time that we're feeling like we're gonna fail this thing that God has set us to do or the next time that it gets hard, we can look at the monuments to what he's already done And we remember, if God brought me through that, why wouldn't he do it now? Why would God bring me this far just to bring me this far? That we know if he's done this in the past and we know he's been good for me all the way up until now, we know that he's worked things for my good, we know that he's provided. If he's done all this so far, why would he stop now? So the promises that he's told me that are coming our direction, the promises that he's told me are coming to our church, are coming to our community, the promises that he's told me that are coming to my family, they must still be on the way. And right now it's hard to see them, but I remember what he's given me in the past. I remember what he's done for me before. I remember because I have a monument that I'm gonna stumble across one day. Just like the Israelites. When they lost their way, when they were losing their relationship with God, when they were making mistakes constantly, when they doubted that God was for them, and they see this monument, they see these 12 stones and they remember God brought us across the Jordan River. God took us through the wilderness and protected us for 40 years. God got us away from the Pharaoh. God brought us this far. Why are we doubting him now? But we have one more story to look at. In Genesis, I uh, I wrote Genesis, but I think it was Numbers. I don't know why I wrote Genesis. There was this time when the Israelites were being attacked by snakes. People were being bitten, getting sick, they were dying. And uh, Moses was told, and he did what he was told. He built a bronze serpent, and he put it up on this rod, held it up super high, and everybody that looked at this this, uh, bronze serpent, everybody that had been bitten and looked at this bronze serpent, they were healed, and they didn't die. And then generations later, there was a king, Hezekiah, was king over Judah, and he, he kind of addresses this bronze serpent. We're gonna, so we're not talking about the story back in Numbers. We're talking about generations down the line. They already had this monument in place, and what happened with it so much later? That's where we're picking up. Second Kings chapter 18. It says in the third year, there's a lot of names in here, okay? And bro, I'm from the South, dog. So these names weren't written for people like me to say. 
all right? So I apologize in advance. Uh, if, also, if you're looking for names, you got a baby on the way or something? Mm. <laughs> so in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. And when he was 25 years old, so we know this is when Hezekiah started reigning as the king of Judah. When he was 25 years old, when he became the king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah. You got a beautiful girl on the way, maybe Abijah. I don't even know if that's how you say it. but Daughter of Zechariah, he did what was right. Now we're talking about the king here. Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke, this is where it gets interesting, he broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. The next point I wanna make is that don't make God's monuments into your idols. Don't make God's monuments into your idols. They had taken this bronze snake, the thing that was supposed to be a sign, supposed to mark the miraculous touch of God, and they started burning incense to it. They started worshiping it. They started worshiping the thing that was supposed to remind them of God's provision and said they relied on it for provision. Now this happens frequently in our everyday life. And this is something that's like nervous, it makes me nervous to bring up uh, because I'm not, I don't like to be mean about anything. I'm not being mean by any means, but I don't want people to think I'm being mean. I'm not trying to challenge people, hurt anybody's feelings, but I really think we should focus on this. This happens with our relationship to church on a regular basis. Don't get me wrong, church is so important. We connect with the body of Christ every single week. You see people that are across from you, people that are sitting with you, that are also imperfect like you. And we get to reach out to other people that are on the same journey that we're on, and we get to encourage each other and build each other up. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom, and this is where we build kingdom relationships is when we come together in this building. And we have a monumental service every single week with lights and sound and all the preparation that goes into that, but also the music and a carefully crafted sermon. I won't say a good sermon, but it's been carefully crafted. That phrase might be the most carefully crafted of the whole sermon. We have things like communion and baptism 
and baby dedication. We do all these things to give you something monumental to look back to and remember your growth in your relationship with Jesus, to remember your walk from Sunday to Sunday every single week because sometimes we just need to sit in the building where we can see what Jesus, we can be reminded of what Jesus has promised us and reminded of the things that Jesus has already provided for us. And we come together every single week because sometimes just between Sunday to Sunday, we lose track. Sometimes all it takes is seven days to forget that God made a promise to you at all. Sometimes all it takes is seven days to forget that everything he's already done has been good and beneficial and set you up to this point. Sometimes that's all it takes. But then we come into the building and our focus isn't supposed to be on the monument. We don't worship what happens in this room. Church is a monument to your walk with Jesus, but it can't replace your walk with Jesus. We have a really good band. We have a really good tech team. And good music is an incredible thing for all of us to be a part of, but it does not replace your worship. Your worship, we only get 20 minutes of singing in here every single week, give or take. 20 minutes. You think Jesus asked us to have a life of worship and that meant 20 minutes on a Sunday morning? Our worship is supposed to be everything we do inside and outside of this building, how we're dedicated to our jobs and our marriage, to follow through with our promises, to be people of honor and integrity and character, to be people that stand up what's, for what's right and defend people that need defending. That's what worship is. Worship is the daily sacrifice to follow Jesus when it's difficult. That's worship. And a really, really good sermon is not the message. The message is supposed to be something that we're digging into every single day, hearing what God has to say about our life through his words, through the things that he's promised his people in the past, the lessons that they've learned so that we don't have to, the problems that they've gone through, so that we can see the heart of God in every single page and grow closer to him. And we can't do that with a 30-minute message. This is only a monument to the word of God to remind us and point us back in the right direction. Just like baby dedication doesn't replace your responsibility to be a great parent. Instead, we're memorializing. We're setting a stone that we can look back to and remember, I promise to be patient. And I promise to be gracious. And I promise to support the others that are going through the same thing with their kids. Just like baptism doesn't replace your salvation or your decision to follow Jesus. It's only a monument to it. Just like communion doesn't replace Jesus' sacrifice. It's a monument to Jesus' sacrifice to remind us of it and point us back towards it, and to build faith in the body of Christ. 
what we do here is a monument to our faith. And Pathways exists to help lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. But we only have about an hour a week. This is only one small monument to your faith. But God is so much more than our monuments. So to finish up, I wanna make two suggestions. The first suggestion is that we all, in our real life, outside of this building, that we all take our next step with Jesus. Now I'll be honest, some of you in the building, your next step is in the building. Some of you have made a decision to follow Jesus and we don't even know about it. We don't even know who you are, but we wanna be a part of it with you and your next step would be to go to baptism and make it public and let us all be part of that journey with you. Some of you, your next step is in the building, is to serve. You've been here for a long time and you've been faithful to show up, but it's time to make room for somebody else and to serve somebody else that wants to come into this building and get to know God. And it's time to get off the bench and into the game. But it's not just about here. Some of you, your next step is to finally tell your neighbor about Jesus. They call you every weekend when they're fighting with their wife. They let you know about the struggles that are going on. They invite you over when they're home alone. And your next step is just to open a conversation about Jesus. Some of you, your next step is to start reading your Bible every single day. I had a pastor that used to say, uh, you don't gotta read your Bible all day. You just gotta read it every day. Some of us, what if we as an entire church, it's Labor Day weekend, so if you look around, the numbers here are not necessarily gonna uh, back this up, but most weekends we average around 800 people in the building on a Sunday. What if all of us made the commitment to read our Bible every single day? Dads, I know you get home after work and you sit in your driveway for five minutes avoiding the kids already. I know, I know you do, man. My dad did it. What if we took those five minutes and we just read, the, you pull open the Bible app and see what the verse of the day is? Or you open Facebook and you see what the daily dose is that we put out that week. Or you just take five minutes every single day and you make that commitment. Or what if husbands and wives, what if, what if we made a commitment to pray with our spouse? We'll just say twice a week, we'll start really small. Just a couple times a week before bed. Me and Jessica have done this in the past and it was awesome. Uh, we don't do it as much now. I mean, we haven't done it in a long time. And that's something that maybe we could recommit to. But imagine if all of these married couples in here started praying with their spouses before bed at night. Imagine the growth and the impact and the unity that that would build in this church, the blessing that would bring for every single one of us to make one incremental step that marks an eternal change in our lives. And we do something monumental in our church and in our community. 
The second suggestion that I have is that we build important, respectful, honoring monuments to God in our lives. Like start journaling or you start your own prayer jar. Maybe your next anniversary, you take a monumental trip to mark the growth and the love in your marriage. What if we start putting monuments in our life to point us back to the things God has provided and gives us faith in the things God has promised? God's promises are incredible. They deserve to be acknowledged. They deserve to be revered. They deserve to be honored. Like the promise to never leave or forsake you, the promises of peace and righteousness, to strengthen us, to work everything for our good, to take care of every single one of our needs, just the promise in the Bible to give us rest. What if we set up monuments to keep us faithful to these promises? Something that would point us back to who God is. And then we need to remember that these promises, or these monuments rather, sorry, these monuments aren't the real thing. All of it starts with the cost that comes with these promises. And that cost is our life, our hearts, our submission to him, to Jesus. Now I've told this story before uh, months ago. When my dad gave his life to, to God for the first time, or pr rather for the last time, as he was one of those that probably prayed every other weekend for a while about Jesus coming into his life, but he said when he gave his life to God for the last time, when he finally turned his life around, he was alone in the woods in North Georgia. Why? Huh? I wasn't there. Seems like an odd place to be. He said it was nighttime. He wasn't at a church service. Uh, he wasn't listening to elevation worship in his car. He was in the woods alone. And he had been dealing with drug problems. He'd been dealing drugs, but also he was addicted to drugs. He had broken every good relationship and healthy relationship he had in his life. He had done everything he can to ruin everything he can up until that point. And he said that he prayed, I've done all I can with my life and I've only made it worse. If you still want me, I'm yours. If you still want me, after everything in my life is rubble and there's there's nothing left to even give you. There's nothing of value in me. There's nothing of value even around me. I've broken, destroyed, and wasted every opportunity I have. But if you still want what's left, he said, I'm yours. 
That's more important than the monument, than a large grand gesture, is honest and vulnerable submission. God, if you still want me, guys, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Some of us that are in this room have nothing to build a monument to because we've never started a relationship with Jesus. And the first step is to have that monumental moment today. Jesus came to this earth and died so that we could be saved from the penalty of all the things that we've done wrong, all the times we chose to not forgive, all the times we chose to be selfish. And the first monumental step is to accept Jesus. So if that's you, if you're in this room or if you're watching online and you wanna make that decision today, I wanna have that monumental moment with you. I just wanna ask you if you'd raise your hand, if that's you, if you wanna make that decision to give your life to Jesus. I see you right here. I see you in the back. I see you, buddy. If you're watching online, I can't see your hand. I see you, bud. If you're watching online, I can't see your hand. So if you would just leave a comment, let us know that you're making this decision today so that we can support you, so that we can reach out to you, so that we can be praying with you. And one of the things I love at Pathways is that we pray together because we support each other, we encourage each other, and we walk together on this journey. So I'm gonna ask that everybody in this room praise this with me. If you'll just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to become Lord of my life. You are my savior. Thank you for your sacrifice. I receive your grace and I believe my life is changed. Help me to live for you. I submit to you completely. Thank you for your love and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Thank you guys so much. Let's celebrate with the people that just made that decision today.